Well, good morning, church. Um, first kid, good morning. Good morning. There we go. Good. Um, kids, you can uh, be dismissed for Children's Church. So head on out. <clears throat> well, I have the privilege of introducing my good, good friend, um, Brian. We, uh, it's been just such a blessing to get to know Brian personally and um, to go down to Cocal on a number of occasions now. Um, Brian has always just said yes uh, when God's called him. And uh, that's kind of the story of Cocal. He started it 15 years ago. He'll share more about that. But he was simply open and obedient. Um, and then God has used him in some, some mighty, mighty ways. So, um, Brian, come on up. And let's welcome Brian. Good morning. So good to be in San Diego. We are so excited. We're, we're like, yeah, we're going to San Diego. Rena says, pack shorts and uh, T-shirts. Because it'll be nice weather, and it was raining. <laughs> it's nice weather today, though, right? Yeah, looks pretty outside. So my name is Brian Rourke, for those of you that don't know me. And we run a ministry called Coca Gracias. We live in Puerto Cortez in Honduras, Central America, just below Guatemala on the north coast. And we run a trade school. And I was thinking, you know, when you say trade school, what is that? What do you do? And I said, well, um, we train people in... in in trades, or, or uh, yeah, I guess that's what you said. There's different words in Spanish, but we train people in different professions that they can get jobs, viable jobs in the community, and we introduce them to Jesus, and we teach them how to follow Jesus at the same time. Um, we were here just a short time ago, but I did bring some photos for you guys to see so we can give some updates. I got to point it over here, right? There it is. So uh, just an updated family photo so you guys can see what everyone looks like now. Uh, Barry said, I think Angie grew six inches in the last three months. That could be. She's wearing Rena's clothes now. <laughs> She's good for me. I only have to buy one pair of clothes now. Um, but Haiti and Brian, who are adopted kids, Haiti's 25, uh, 23 now. Brian's 21. Angie, 12. Nathaniel, 8. Danny is 4. And Willem is 1. And we just, the kids just taught Willem to put his finger up. So if you find him, say, Willem, how old are you? And he should do this. I'm not clicking very well. I'll just say click. Um, so this is, mini- this is the ministry that we run in, in Puerto Cortez. It's called Ministerio La Voz, and we offer courses in different areas, the computer, English, welding, mechanics, sewing. We've always had those. We're introducing circuitry this year. Uh, I'm really excited about that. We already had five students sign up because um, we just opened sign-ups two days ago. And every class carries Bible study, and Bible study isn't a separate class, it's incorporated into all the other classes, because uh, we really want the students to, to get a feel that serving God or giving time to God is just something you regularly do in any, any time of day, in any uh, activity that you have. So Bible study is there, and we, and we pray, and, and the students get a chance to listen to the Holy Spirit and have Him work in their lives. Um, this is just a quick video. Some of you might have seen it uh, when we were back here in February, but it, it shows the ministry. So you can see. Yeah, go ahead. Play. Okay. <laughs> 
you can see the students and, and see the activities that we do and we're really trying to build oh and there's a we're, we're celebrating 15 years in ministry this year which <laughs> sounds like a really big number to me and I and honestly there's probably moments that I thought we'd never make it <laughs> this far um, but we have and it is so exciting to be able to go home and share that with the students we have great Great ideas of how we want to uh, just bless them in sporadic ways because it's a good excuse. The celebration year is a good excuse to be extravagant with them. And, uh, and that's something we started last year. We're really trying to focus on the community building because COVID interrupted so much of community. Um, of course, our classes weren't open for a period of time. And now that we've come back and we, and we started with so many new students and we didn't have the old students who had learned the culture and learned how we operated, we had to really build it all up again. And so I just have some pictures. We did a lot of activities with the students, tried some new things to help them know community. And you can just see, our biggest activity, which has been really popular, has been these, these three photos on the outside of Thanksgiving, our Thanksgiving dinner. And it's really funny because usually we're providing the food for everybody, and in Thanksgiving they provide the food for themselves. We do it kind of potluck style. And everyone comes in, but then there's always a moment where they're supposed to share what they're truly thankful for, and we teach them how to audibly, you know, give thanks to God. And they're so nervous at the beginning, and then they do it, and they go, that was the best thing ever. Um, and it's just been really encouraging. We did Mother's Day, which is the middle photo there, with Taylor. We had games for the mothers. Um, I took some of the welding students to the beach one day, and we bought snow cones, and we had a baking class as well. Click. <laughs> Our tent sale is one of our big events that we almost never talk about, but this is how it, it, the excuse is that we want to raise money for the end of the semester parties. Um, but really what I want to do is help build the community. It's a way that all the students, because you usually come to Minnesota levels just on one day, and you don't get to see the other students that come on the other days and study in the other disciplines. Uh, but when we get to the tent sale, everybody is together. All of the classes form some kind of uh, event for this day. So you can see there's different booths. We had a competition this year for who could decorate the, the greatest booth, and uh, the mechanics down in the bottom with their bamboo structure, you see that? They won. Computers decorated one of their students <laughs> in the middle, but they were so excited that they got an award for this, you know, these decorations, and they've been parading it around all over the ministry. They can't decide if they want to hang it in the cafeteria, if it should be hung in their, in their uh, classroom, so they just bring it back and forth and brag. Um, 
But this was our greatest event. We, this tent sale this year was so, such a success. In my eyes, because everybody participated. You know, sometimes there's the straggling students that you're, you're you know, you're pulling their arm, pulling their like, come on, get up, get out of your chair. The, this time, everybody had caught the vision. Everybody worked really hard. We raised more money than we ever have. We raised $1,800 in this, in the tent sale. And, uh, and it goes toward these end of the semester parties which when I had first asked God, how do we build community, he said, throw a big party. <laughs> and uh, so we have two parties every year. This was, this was a little mix of July and December. Um, but in December, we got to go to a new, a new place, which was a restaurant that some of our old students own. And they catered the whole party, because normally Rena cooks for about 300 people. They cooked for us this time, and it was like a seafood lunch. It was fantastic. We had an activity, if you can see in the upper right corner, that's my favorite photo. They dressed us all up as snowmen, all, all of the staff. Each class had to dress us up and see who was the best toilet paper snowman. <laughs> we had a good time. We ha- also had really good mission teams this year that came and supported us. Of course, Mission Church came down um, with Barry, but we had, we had a dentist come. He did awesome work in the mountains. Um, we had only scheduled them for two days, and then we extended it to five because there was so much need. And uh, we got to visit some of the villages around Agua Caliente. They worked in Minas de la Voz as well. They also worked on our vision property, which I'll show you in a little bit. And, uh, and they were also babysitting. There's Nanny Barry with <laughs> my sleeping kids in the back of the truck. <laughs> and we also had the opportunity to uh, visit some students that we've through Mission Church, uh, we started sponsoring in San Pedro Sula. Um, there's 12 students that we just felt, felt what, what that school is doing fits what we're doing. They're using education as a means to introduce people to Christ. And so we have 12 students sponsored there, and we got to visit them as well. Um, in Ministerio La Voz, we had nine graduates this year, which was incredible. That's great. And seven of them are following Jesus because they met him in Ministerio La Voz. And seven of them also have jobs in the field that they studied. So they're working in mechanic shops, and, and four of them got jobs at the Navy base welding a giant ship. <laughs> and uh, the only reason the other ones didn't get the job yet is because they're not looking for jobs. Derek is actually going to come back and study again in Ministerio de Vols. And I told Derek if he completes all the classes, because he's already done three of them, um, we'll give him some kind of special award for <laughs> like Mr. Ministerio if he gets through all the classes. <laughs> And this is, uh, I don't know what this video is. Is this Derek's video? Yeah, this is Derek's testimony from this year. Me siento, me senté en un 
siempre diferente, completamente diferente al que siempre me encantaba. Y me senté mucho en un asiento donde tenía una papel y una hoja. Y Brian estaba hablando sobre la obediencia y que tenemos que obedecer a él. Y comencé a escuchar una voz y sentí tres cosas que en mi vida hubiera pensado pensar de esa forma. Y una de ellas fue eso de evitar el suicidio de una persona y pues sucedió y pues con el, la voz de Dios lo pude hacer. Y la verdad, esta experiencia, todo lo que pasó, fue como demasiado como que cada duda o medio, medio desván que tenía sobre que si existía Dios o no, se apagara completamente. Realmente Dios me dijo, haz esto y lo hice y pues todo salió bien y las recompensas han estado viniendo muchas, tanto así que hasta todo las recompensas y la experiencia es demasiado satisfactoria, es lo mejor que me ha pasado y pues si esto puede suceder solo con un estudio bíblico, ¿qué más puede pasar si esto se expande? Si esto pasa mayores. Y Dios es, puede ser muchas más bendiciones, muchas más recompensas, muchas más personas siendo mirados de parte de Dios, de parte de Muchas gracias. He believes everybody is just one experience away from following Jesus. And when he told me that, I took that to heart. And that's, that's our prayer, is when you come to Minister de la Voz, you are going to experience Jesus at some point so that he can change your life. Um, the other half of Coca Gracias is our Timothy Center, which we built in COVID, and Mission Church supported that, and we opened uh, just a couple years ago. This is going to be our third year at Timothy Center. And it's an after-school program up in the village that Rena and I used to live in. Uh, the reason, the, the mission of Timothy Center is to rescue the youth. And we realize that in the mountains you have to start really, really young because they, <laughs> they get involved in drugs and alcohol um, when you think they shouldn't even know what drugs and alcohol are. And uh, we didn't want them to follow those paths. So the idea was do something really, really big, bigger than the billiard hall, built bigger than the bar that's in town. And so we built Timothy Center with after-school programs, Um, tutoring, there's discipleship classes, worship, it's all mixed in, and we have about 100 kids that are regularly attending now. Um, we rent four by four drivers and vehicles every, every week, and they go up and down the mountains, and they pick up kids, and they bring them to the center, and uh, they've done an amazing job. The kids after COVID uh, went back to school, and they were, they were graduated two grades above, and so we had a whole bunch of third graders that didn't know how to read or write. And Timothy Sunder took on that challenge, and they've gotten everybody up to speed and helped the, helped the public school. So it's an amazing program, and it's all possible because we really have an amazing director, Patty, and, of course, her husband, Omar, who supports her. Um, I don't know if it would, have, would be Timothy Center if we hadn't found her. And uh, Pastor Juan suggested her. She was, she's a former student in the ministry. Now she's uh, in the ministry again. She's going to graduate in English. Maybe one day she'll come and she'll be doing the message for you guys. But she really captured the vision and she's taken it to another level. And I'm just so thankful for her. 
And one of our goals is to, is to really help her out this year. Um, next slide. Next one. There it is. So Vision 2024 um, for the Timothy Center is we really want to get a budget for them because they... I had no idea when you build a children's center how much money it costs, but you guys probably know because you have a preschool. Um, but kids need a lot of things. It's like, it's like the mechanic shop, but it's in plastic, you know? And, and we're trying to finance that because we really want Patty and her, her staff of volunteers to have everything uh, that they need to be able to do the class as well. Um, also, we want to get a salary for Patty because... Uh, volunteers only go so far, and I'm really worried about losing her one day. Uh, and we'd really like to get her something that supports her and her family and shows them that we appreciate so much the call that God has put on her life and how she's responded. Um, and then the second goals, and these are, these are goals above and beyond just our normal, you know, budget and everything that Ministeri Lavos and Coco Gracias do. But we've been in the process of purchasing a vision property. And after the benefit we had here last year, we were able to to do that. We bought half of the property and we'd like to buy the other half and we're going to start with the mechanic shop. That's our first construction because if we can do the mechanic shop, we'll have our teacher full time. Uh, The students will have a place to to do their internships that I believe is a safe place and not just a random shop somewhere in town. And then possibly they could stay and have jobs with us as well. And we'd be serving the community and the people would get to know us better. This is just a small video, 30 seconds, so you can see the property. So it's really exciting, and it's got me dreaming day and night about what we're going to do there. And Timothy Center obviously started this way, too. It was just a dream, a few sketches on some paper, and, you know, let's go, God. And, and he moved us into it, and, and it's a reality. So um, next slide. Oops. So that's, that's where we're headed. That's what we're working on and what we're doing. And if you'd like to partner with us, that's what we're looking for is monthly partners that can help us. We have a goal of 50 new partners this year, and uh, that's really the best way to support is any amount and just have it be faithful so that we know it's coming in and, uh, and pray with us, uh, dream the vision with us, come down on Barry's team when he comes and support and, and get to know everyone as well. Um, but I'm going to jump into a few minutes of just stuff that God is, something that God's been working on my heart and teaching me this year. Um, and... The title could be God Speaks, could not be, but it just, just thinking about the ways that God moves us and, and the imagination. What do you imagine? How many of you have dreams and imagine things? Or, you know, I don't know if you wake up in the morning and you just kind of rehearse your day before you actually do your day, but I kind of do that too. I've been dreaming about Mission Church for a few days now in the, in the early morning. Okay, how's this, how are we going to talk? How's it going to go? But the imagination is so important. And, and I believe, I believe the enemy knows that because he works so hard about capturing our imaginations. And he actually doesn't want us to use them. He just wants to tell us what it should be. And, 
as a parent, obviously I see how they're trying, how he's trying to attack my children and capture their imaginations. Just every day trying to plant something in their heads that he says is acceptable, okay? And I'm like, they shouldn't be imagining that at all. Uh, that shouldn't even be there. And if we're not careful, our imaginations could just run wild with things of the world and things of the enemy. Um, and I think we often, we often give time to that because it's so apparent and it's so abusive in our lives. Uh, but God is the creator of the imagination. He's the one that gave it to us. And he wants to speak to us through our imaginations as well. Um, and when I was looking through the Bible, looking for things on imagination, I had one verse, and I thought, well, there's got to be other verses. Imagination, and depending on your translation, my translation doesn't say that. It usually says the thoughts of your heart. And uh, thoughts of your heart, I would believe, is your imagination, the things that are in the interior where God's talking to you. But I believe imagination you see in the Bible quite often in the stories. And i got a couple up there, King David and Noah and Joshua. If you remember when David was about to fight Goliath, I, I have to believe that he imagined it. I mean, you have to, you have to think. He had, to, he had to see what was going to happen. And he declares it to Goliath beforehand. When, he's, when they're right there on the battlefield, he says, I'm going to not only defeat you, I'm going to cut off your head. And it's such a random declaration, but I'm like, I guess he imagined that. And then he did it, of course. What we imagine is what we're able to do. And if you can't imagine it, you're probably not going to get to do it. Um, Noah imagined the ark. And God tells us that he allowed Noah to imagine it with the dimensions that it was supposed to have. Um, but I can't imagine that he built a boat that he's never seen, <laughs> that never existed previously if God hadn't planted the imagination and the vision in his mind. Joshua, of course, had the, uh, the imagination to go into the promised land. And one of my favorites is Peter, when he's walking on water. Uh, I believe he imagined that. He was the only one in the boat that imagined it. But he, imagined, he saw himself. He sees Jesus walking, and then immediately his mind is like, I'm going to walk too. And when Jesus is coming, coming close to the boat, he says that. He says, okay, if you just give me the command, I'm going to do it. And I believe he saw it in his mind's eye, and he was able to step out in faith and walk on water. And of course, Pastor Gordon just told us about how Jesus had imagination. He saw his suffering, and he saw what he was about to do, and he accepted it. And he did it because he loved us so much. But imagination plays out so often in the Bible. And um, next slide. And Joel talks about the imaginations in our time. He says, in Joel 2.28, he says, It shall come to pass that afterward I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And, you know, Galatians talks about the fruits of the Spirit, and I would add this in as another fruit of the Spirit. A direct result of having the Holy Spirit living in you is that you should have dreams and visions and be imagining the kingdom around you and your role in it and what God is going to do in your life. Next slide. So what do you imagine is really, really important, and the way you use your imagination is really important. And... Um, I was thinking about it. We went, on a, we went on a trip with our staff, and we were supposed to do cliff jumping. And I was like, oh, I got this. I used to cliff jump when I was a kid. And when we got to the 45-footer, I climbed up with Brian and Haiti. And at about 35 feet, you know, the whole time I'm climbing and I'm imagining, you know, I'm looking down and I'm, and I'm seeing myself throw myself off this cliff. And then when we got to about 35 feet, I couldn't see it anymore. And I was like, okay, you guys go on ahead. <laughs> and they climbed up about 8, 10 feet higher than me. And they made the jump, and I jumped from the little one and realized that maybe I'm just old. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> but if you don't have the imagination, it's hard. And I remember at one point, and maybe you guys have had the experience, but God uses our imagination when he's talking to us. I don't know if you've been maybe in the, you know, I don't know, driving down the freeway, and you see a car parked on the side of the road that's having trouble, and sometimes I'm driving, and I pass that car, and all of a sudden I imagine myself pulling over too and stopping and helping them. And then, of course, if I, if I obey it, if I get out, we probably have a beautiful God moment because God allowed me to see what he was hoping that I would do. Um, sometimes I just let it go by. Sometimes I have excuses. Oh, but then I'll be late to my, you know, whatever I need to be at. Um, well, it's a busy road. Maybe, you know, there's not really a good place to help. Things, we do that all the time. I mean, if we're honest, have you had an imagination? Maybe God says give money to this family or buy food for somebody or take them out. Sometimes you're just, you know, sitting and you, all of a sudden you have this imagination of, of calling somebody that you haven't talked to for years. And you're like, well, that's out of the blue. I haven't talked to them for years. But you're seeing yourself calling them and having this conversation because God wants you to connect with them. And we hear these stories all the time. Years back, I started imagining myself playing guitar <laughs> in Ministerio La Voz. And we, we were just doing Bible studies. And I started imagining, I was like, oh, that's weird. And I kind of threw it away. And then, and then I'm, I'm seeing it again. I'm like, what is going on, God? Why do I keep thinking about playing guitar? And I felt God say, I need you to start a worship service. And I'm going, oh, no. I don't want to do that. And I was afraid for various reasons. I just thought that's not a good idea. But I couldn't get the imaginations out. And it just kept coming to me and coming to me. And unfortunately, Barry just said, oh, Brian always says yes. I didn't say yes. I said no. And I said no so many times that they stopped. God just stopped bothering me about it. And then I got really, really scared. I was like, oh my gosh, well then, who are you talking to now? No, it's got to be me. Who else is going to do worship service and ministry of most? And I started praying earnestly, God, please bring it back. Just let me, just tell me one more time, and I'll obey. And he, and he took about 10 months to, to let me imagine it again. And we opened the, the worship center, and we were able to, we've been doing worship services ever since. Um, I have a really good anecdote, because I heard it somewhere when I was in high school in San Diego. And I wish I knew who the testimony was at, but I don't. But it was a lady who was pumping gas, you know, she's college age or something, and she's at the gas station, she starts getting this idea of going inside the service station and doing a, a handstand. She's like, well, that's weird. <laughs> and uh, no, I'm not doing that. She keeps pumping gas, you know. But the imagination keeps coming back to her, and she realizes God is asking me to do this. And she's like, that is just crazy, though. What are people going to think? I mean, you imagine all the excuses that you would have if you had to stand on your head in a gas station but she goes in and she does it and she's you know she waited till there was just (laughs) like a few customers almost nobody and it's her and the clerk and the clerk's just kind of staring at like is she gonna buy something and she goes over and comes back she's like (laughs) ta-da and the clerk just his eyes get this big and he starts crying and the story was was that he had prayed for the first time that morning He was thinking of ending his life, and he said, but God, if you are real, then you have to do something crazy and and prove it to me. Have someone come and stand on their head. And and that's the reaction I had. That's why I remember it, and I wish I knew who it was. (laughs) But um, the imaginations are so important. It's just, it's it's part of God's still voice that's talking to us. And, uh, And I have this verse up here, because this is the one that really got me thinking about it, is, is in Numbers 13, 33. 
God had already told Israel about the promised land. He wanted them to move in. He wanted them to be excited about it. He was trying to drum up their imaginations and their visions of it. And just before, when they're on the banks of the Jordan River, he says, send, send 12 spies in. Let them be your eyes and ears. Let them see. They're going to come back with a great report, and you guys are going to get pumped up. You're going you're gonna to see it like they see it. And, of course, that's not what happened. Ten of them came back with a different imagination than what God had in mind. Joshua was the one that captured, Joshua and Caleb captured what God's vision was. And the other ones imagined, imagined this. They said there were giants in the land, and we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And we were grasshoppers in, in our sight. They imagined themselves like this big and, and impotent and no power. And I believe it broke God's heart. God's like, man, I can't move forward. This is a promise that I have for you, and I can't move forward with you. And uh, so they walked around the desert for 40 years. And I don't believe that walking around the desert for 40 years was a punishment because God is a really, really good God and God loves us unconditionally. I believe that God was, was doing them a favor because he knew if they don't have the vision, if they don't capture the image, it's going to be disastrous. And so he patiently guided them and led them. They all got to live their full lives. He gave them food every day. He let their clothes never wear out. He took care of them. And the next generation rose up, and they captured the vision. They were able to go in with Joshua. Um, this, two years ago, you can go one more slide. Oh, no, okay, I got one more verse. King David, King David, when he was about to die, he wanted to build God's temple. And God said, no, it's going to be your son. And he says, okay, well, I'm going to get it all ready. David had the vision. And he was dreaming this temple up, and he asked for donations, like the biggest donation drive ever in the history of churches. And, uh, and he got all the materials and all these things. And this is what's his prayer. He said, O Lord God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination and the thoughts of the heart of thy people. Prepare their hearts unto thee. His, his last prayer was, don't let the vision diminish. Don't let the imagination be cut short. Because he knew how important it was. And if he wasn't going to be around to give it, you know, someone had to carry it. This last year, um, we started building our house in Honduras. No, two years ago. It's been two years now. <laughs> but when I, was started, when I was dreaming up the house that we needed, so we used to live in this little 600-square-foot house with seven, seven of us, and sometimes my mom would come to visit or Barry would come to visit. And uh, Brian used to sleep on the couch. That was his, his uh, bedroom. And, uh, and we needed a new home. And God starts telling me, you know, you need to build this house in Honduras. So we had a piece of property, and we're working it out, and I'm drawing it. And I'm like, man, this is, this is getting big, you know, but God's giving me the vision. And, and um, when, we went to, when I went to the municipality to get the permits, I was thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to permit. <laughs> I'm going to permit like two bedrooms because you get a big discount, you know, depending on price. And then we'll see how it goes. And the city said, you can't permit just one little piece. You have to show us the whole vision. And they said, you have to tell us how it's going to be in the end. We'll permit that. I'm like, darn it. You know, but I had that motivation. I had to dream the whole thing up, and I had to see it done. And we got the permits. Then when I got our construction guy, same thing. I ended up signing a contract with him for the whole project. You know, two stories and the roof and everything, all the works. This is how the house is going to be. And we signed it. Okay, I'm going to pay you, and you're going to do it. But then somewhere in last year, going through the process, seeing you know, prices after COVID and everything, I started to diminish the, the vision. I started to think, man, we're not going to make it. 
two levels, is, it, we're barely going to make one. Like, what are we going to do? And so I just started imagining the house as one level. And, and I started seeing us moving in to the one level. And then I would work however long it takes to finish the, the kids' bedrooms upstairs. And, and, then I, and then two months or three months after that, I thought, oh, no, well, we can't do just the first level because it'll get ruined in the rain. We have to have a roof, too. Oh, my gosh. Well, what does that look like if I have to put the roof on? And, uh, and then how is the roof going to be sustained? How do I hold that up? And so, you know, the poles that are there. But everything I imagined is, is how it ended last year. Just like that. And I was like, and we moved in. It was such a good day. I was like, wow, we got so much space now. And uh, the kids were excited. And I was thanking God. I said, God, this, thank you so much. Thank you that we could move into the first level of the home. And we have this space. Everything's good. And he says, yeah, you have everything you imagined, Brian. And the way he said it just made me think, wait a minute, what are you trying to say here? <laughs> and I knew he was saying, you should have imagined more. You had, the, you had the vision for the whole thing, and you cut it in half. And, uh, and it's funny because I know how God works. and he's worked. When we stopped uh, our, our full-time jobs and we moved into full-time ministry with absolutely nothing, God told us, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear because your Father in Heaven knows you need all those things. Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. All these things come added unto you. And, and I know that, you know, but so many times in the middle of it, you just forget. You know, we, we, we start with the vision of God. We have the image of God, but then the other circumstances get muddled into the, way, into the mix. And we start not looking at him. We start looking around you know, well, I don't know about this and I don't know about that. And we start reasoning and justifying. And, and it's so dangerous because God is limitless. And really, it's us that are always limiting him. <laughs> you know, and I don't know how many times in my life drawing something for the ministry, God says, no, nope, dream it bigger, Brian. Dream it bigger. That's how Timothy Center is this massive building in the middle of the jungle because he said it's not good enough. Dream it bigger. Dream it for the, for the future generations. Really? I mean, it's really big, and we're in COVID. No, dream it bigger. I got it. You know, we never stopped construction on the Timothy Center. I said, okay, we got funds for one month. You can start the guys on the foundation. I'll let you know when it runs out. It never ran out. We just kept building. Now the programs are going. The programs are going to keep going, I know, because God is faithful. And uh, so I just want to leave you with this last thought. Don't throw out a promised land vision because you're seeing yourself as a grasshopper. God is trying to motivate us and move us to have grand visions, the kind of visions that, that really only the kingdom should be dreaming. And I remember when we were making the Coca Gracias documentary, the, the couple that we interviewed, they said, we're dreaming big visions simply because God is a big God. He's not a small God, so he doesn't deserve for us to dream small dreams. We need to dream those big dreams. And then... Give him the space to work them out through us. So that's my encouragement to to Mission Church this morning. I know that God has some big dreams that he has planted in you guys. It says says in Psalms 37, he says, God gives us the desires of our heart. He plants those in us because he wants us to chase them down. So God bless you and thank you so much for the time. Thanks, Brian. Um, I'm just thinking of my own life right now. What, what, where am I not dreaming big enough? Um, what are the desires of, of my heart that I'm not pursuing because I'm, I'm,
thinking myself as a grasshopper and not a child of God. For each one of us, you know, we, we probably all have a vision. I know we have a vision. God gives us those visions. Um, you know, what are the what's, what are the desires of your heart? Um, I, I just would encourage you, as Brian said, man, lean into it. Let God do some amazing things in your life. As a church, man, we, God has a vision for this church. Let's live into that. Let's let's do great things for the for the for the kingdom. Because we, we serve a great God. So, again, just thanks, Brian. I really, really appreciate the message.